Welcome to the Creating Sales Stars podcast. Each week, our host Pete Evans will be joined by some of the big and upcoming names within the sales industry. This is brought to you by Sales Star UK. <laughs> Welcome to this week's edition of Creating Sales Stars podcast. Um, I'm delighted to uh, welcome a, a longtime friend of mine and um, who, who I've known through the um, a, a book called The Go-Giver by, by Bob Berg. And Ian has spent his entire professional life in and lived in sales, as he says. Um, he's enjoyed success as an individual contributor, uh, as a member of high-performing teams, and he's also built and led high-performing teams. Um, today, Ian works for Amazon Web Services, field enabled organization working across the MEA region to build the most customer obsessed salespeople in the cloud. So, Ian, welcome to uh, Creating Sales Stars podcast. Delighted to have you on as our guest this week. Hey, awesome to be here, Pete. I know we've tried a few times to get this together, but uh, diaries didn't work. So, I'm glad we can make it work this time. Yeah. So, um, obviously, a lot of our listeners are sales leaders sales managers and salespeople and you know you you've been in sales um almost all your life and uh i know you grew up in yorkshire but you still have a bit of that um aussie twang as i put it earlier on in the in the pre-record <laughs> session um you know and you've obviously worked with a lot of salespeople, and you know you continue to do so what what do you see as some of the current challenges for sales leaders in building sort of capability in, in the sales team well, for sales leaders, I mean, there's there's uh, there's so much there's so much going on. I mean, we've got all these new things happening at the moment, right, uh, in the marketplace um, uh, with uh, uh, challenges around inflation and recession and all sorts of things going on. On top of increasingly competitive, I suppose you call it hyper competitive. It's the word I like to use, hyper competitive world. So, I, there 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 have always been and will always be challenges for sales leaders. It's one of the toughest jobs out there. But I think the the key is to simplify it, to simplify what we do in sales, because it's not that complicated. I think one of the jobs of the sales leader is to cut through all the noise and to help their people stay focused on what matters most. And it, as simple as that sounds, it's actually quite hard to do. <laughs> why, why, why do you think it's hard for sales leaders to keep it simple? You know, I think I think we make life hard for sales leaders, just like we do for salespeople, right? I think uh, uh, there's a lot of you'll you'll see. I talk about this a bit on LinkedIn, and um, other people do as well. But I think sales in general is very dysfunctional. You know, <laughs> it's very dysfunctional. Uh, sales cultures in organisations typically are dysfunctional, uh, and uh, that drives the wrong types of behaviour. So uh, I think uh, there's a lot of um, uh, uh, focus on people trying to crush quota and uh, make their sales and do all the things that they think they need to do to be successful. And that's kind of where I was when I first started out in sales, right? I, yeah. I, I was I was I was one of those sort of quota crushers and, and wanted to get out there and make sales and hit my quota and make my commission and qualify for the, the captain's table or the champion's lounge or whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and I think these these kind of cultures that drive people to think about what's in it for them rather than what's in it for customers, that complicates things. It complicates cultures, it complicates processes, it complicates behavior, it complicates mindsets. We just put the wrong thing first 
um, we just can't get out of our own way. That's what that's what that's probably one of the biggest things for me, buddy. Yeah, I, I mean, it's really interesting. You you, you talk about the sales function um, <clears throat> being dysfunctional, and you, and you've you've mentioned that magic word um, culture, and you also mentioned that other word, you know, in the importance of the 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 customer. Uh, and you see these organizations and they're having their values, you know, we're, we're customer centric, yet the, the sales process is not customer centric because the, the salespeople mm. are listening to their customers. Yeah. And it, it isn't like I say, it's all focused on what the salesperson can earn, what the organization can earn in terms of profit. But for me, that doesn't lead to long lasting relationships with your, no. your clients or your customers. Well, how can it? I mean, you really pick up on a, a great point there because that disconnect between what we say and what we do, we talk about customer centricity, but then we reward people for uh, for closing deals and smashing their targets. You know, there's a disconnect. So what we're, what we're effectively teaching salespeople to do is to be inauthentic because uh, we say one thing, but we expect you to do another. And salespeople, smart people, they learn what they need to do to survive within these cultures. And they gravitate to what's going to help them to be um, successful. If you if you define financial success as being successful, obviously, you know, I've learned that it isn't enough. Um, but that disconnect is always a red flag when you see this is what we say, but this is what we do. Uh, and it's so often uh, um, repeated, uh, much to my frustration and dismay out there in the real world um we, do, we it's impossible to build a relationship if you're a customer how can you build a relationship with a salesperson who is being inauthentic right because we're telling them like hey you know we, we say to our customers in our marketing and all that sort of stuff that we focus on customers but actually what my sales manager is telling me to do is hey ian you better hit your quota you better make that sale or we're going to have a we're going to have a difficult conversation at the end of the month right so there's an absolute disconnect between what i'm focused on and what what we should be focused on yeah and uh, i mean th th this leads me on to an another question you know lots of organizations you know they, they'll have small or large sales force depending on the size of the, the organization and they talk about supporting the development of the salespeople. Yet, you know, the, the, the research shows that most organizations aren't coaching their salespeople. Yeah. And, and even if they are coaching their sales their salespeople, it, it's highly ineffective. Why, mm. why do you think organizations still pay lip service to truly coaching their salespeople? You know, I, I think it all goes back to um, this um, organizational kind of desire to get maximum results for minimum effort, you know, to 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 make sales, and uh, I think uh, uh, sales leaders, sales managers want to do the right thing by their people. They want to coach. They want to develop their people. They want to do those things, uh, but they're under pressure from from their bosses uh, to do other stuff that takes them away uh, from from the things that they that they want and need to do, and. Um, I think um, we. Uh, I, I, there's, there's probably an under. There's an underlying kind of um, range of challenges that kind of create these kind of cultures. I don't think any organization really sets out to go in a direction that's uh, contrary to their customers' needs. But we've ended. We've, we've ended up there, right? The, the the level of trust between customers and sellers and salespeople is is low, right? I mean. Trust in society generally is low. There's an organization, I don't know if you heard of them, Pete. You, you heard of an organization called Edelman? 
they, no, they run this they run this thing called, you should check it out buddy you love this right they they run for 20 years they've been measuring trust around the world they 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 have this uh, uh, annual survey called the edelman trust barometer and they release a report every year that talks about trust in the world and there are four pillars of trust that they talk about and um uh, they uh, they're over recent years i've been tracking this they're typically talking about um us in the world having a trust crisis that trust in society trust of media trust of politicians you know these key pillars of trust in general out there in the world is 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 uh, on a downward spiral quite dramatically all around the world and then we put on top of that the fact that lots of customers have been burned by salespeople who were focused on their needs rather than their customers' needs. So salespeople are already not trusted. So we've got this overlay of low trust between sellers and buyers. And that makes it more difficult for salespeople uh, to kind of feel that they're going to succeed. So they start to get training it. They start to employ sales techniques and other things to try and make sales. And customers start to use other techniques to try and stop themselves being taken advantage of. With this sort of spiral of ducking and weaving uh, and have this combative relationship between buyers and sellers. And that's that, that lack of trust is a big thing, but it's not just, just between salespeople in general, it's in society. And if you yeah. look at even more data, there's, there's the Gallup organization tells us that globally, um, only like only around 20% of people in the world are engaged in their work. I mean, I mean, it's crazy, right? Yeah, that, 20... I mean, that, that that's actually that that's actually a scary statistic. And scary, it's in, isn't it? Very scary. And and it's interesting you really picked up on this this whole arena of, of trust, you know, between the between the seller and the the buyer. Yeah. And personally, I, I think what it comes back to is that the, the salesperson who truly listens is actually forming a partnership with a buyer and their clients because when you when you listen and you ask questions you gain you you gain great information from your existing clients and and your prospects but you demonstrate that you can be trusted i mean there's there's an expression used a lot and i think personally i think it's overused now trusted advisor but mm. i think you've got to work hard to be a trusted advisor yeah i agree with you man. i mean i partly agree with what you're saying there and i i kind of get it and that's one of those you know um uh, two eyes, one mouth, kind of, you know, all that sort of stuff is, 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 is so true, but it's kind of why, why are you listening? So many salespeople are listening so that they can just hear something that means they can launch into their pitch, right? They're yeah. not listening to understand. They're listening so that they can speak, so they can launch into how great their product or service is. Uh, and again, that's one of those things that customers hate. But uh, again, it's one of those dysfunctional behaviors that happens out there. We've got this, we've got this map that's developed over the years through dysfunctional behaviors that's caused salespeople to do the things that actually undermine their success because it undermines customer trust. Uh, and listening is a key part of it, but it's not only listening um, uh, um, at that at sort of a, a, a simplistic level, it's much deeper than that. The customer needs to know why you're listening. What's your reason for asking me that question? Because they're, remember, they're in this environment of being sort of disengaged themselves. That 21% of people in the world that's disengaged, that applies to salespeople, that applies to your customer. So you're probably talking to a customer who are part of that sort of 79% of people in the world who are disengaged in their work and are experiencing low trust, right? So 
immediately before you even start there's you're starting out with 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 a very difficult environment that you've got to navigate so your behavior your intent your reason for asking questions your reason for listening is being judged because there's such sensitivity uh, in the mind of customers and probably they've been burned before by salespeople who have sold them stuff that didn't help them to solve their problems so it's, it's a complex mix of uh of issues that salespeople today have to navigate but uh again it comes back to some really basic human principles i think and building trust is 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 a big one yeah and i think it's interesting you know you and i are old enough to you know we started our sales careers when there was no internet you know and life was actually very different so you these days your buyers can do lots of research on your organization and you as an mm. individual before you even rock up to the the initial meeting yeah you know and the the buyers they're having a perception of your organization when you say when you know you're a seller because of your, your website and the marketing and your branding but then that experience that they're seeing online doesn't translate because that we, we use this expression in our organization look and you've already alluded to it lots of salespeople they're not they're not truly listening they're not listening at a really deep level to what's being said they're just listening for the prospect to say oh this i've got this problem and they just launch into the sales pitch probably with the professionally produced uh you know powerpoint slides but we we call that show up and throw up yes because that actually if you're truly listening and you're truly interested in somebody you you'll ask permission to ask questions and you like you say you'll explain why you're asking those questions because actually you truly want to help somebody and, and add value, not just try and yeah. flog them the easiest product or service you've got. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's like, why are people trying to do that? They're trying to expedite the sales process, right? Because they're going, well, they're, they've got a monthly target to hit or they've got a quarterly target to hit or whatever it is. And they're thinking about what is my need as a salesperson? What do I need to achieve to thrive in my career? And they're afraid that they won't do that so they feel that in order to hit their number and to be successful, they have to behave a certain way. Uh, and uh, it's just, it, it actually has the opposite effect of trying, trying to move things forward, trying to speed things up. Because customers, when they feel that you're there for their reasons rather than for, uh, for your reasons rather than for their reasons, they're going to be less likely to want to do business with you, right? I mean, I, I know I'm speaking to the converted when I say these things to you, buddy, because this is how we connected, right? We had this exactly. passion for being a go-giver. I mean, what I've just talked about really uh, was is kind of the, the, the whole underlying principle of being a go-giver, putting other people's interests first. But that is a rare occurrence in sales. It just doesn't happen as often as it should. And salespeople burn relationships uh, all the time because of their lack of awareness, their lack of understanding, their lack of ability to really put themselves in the customer's shoes. I mean, we prejudge all the time that we go to see a prospect and I hate that word. Sales, sales is full of words that I hate. Prospect is one of those words that I hate. Uh, we go and see another human being, a customer, and we start to pitch before we even understand what is it, what's the problem they're trying to solve? How is that problem showing up as, as an issue for them, for their business or other stakeholders? You know, Gallup tells us that in, um, not Gallup, sorry, Gartner tells us that in the decision-making unit, uh, there can be as many as uh, uh, 11, 12 people 
involved in making a complex business decision these days around a, a complex business solution. And that can go up to as high as 20. Uh, and But does that stop us as salespeople? No, we go and see one person for one hour. And before we're half an hour into the meeting, we're trying to pitch them a solution. Hold on a minute. We've got no idea what the problem is yet. We haven't met all the other stakeholders, but that doesn't stop us from launching into how great our products and services are. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and and I think that um, what was going to say, then just picking up on some of the things, you know, when you talk about complex sales uh, and the salesperson is half an hour into their their initial meeting with the, um, you know, the potential customer, uh, and they're not aware. Then they're not even aware of the other stakeholders. They're, they're actually wasting yeah. the the, the yeah. potential customer's time. Uh, yeah. And actually, this comes back to if, if they're well, if you're well researched as a salesperson, you'll already know that there are other stakeholders involved in this decision. And actually, you know, you, you elevate yourself as a trusted advisor when you say to the person you're going to meet, "Actually, I, I've already done some research on your organisation." Uh, and I can I can see, and th these things are easy to map out either via the website or through through LinkedIn. Do you know what it'd be really it'd be really great Ian, if you could invite some of these other people to this initial call? Because actually, what I'd like to is is say, you know what we do may not be right for you, but I'm going to save you a lot of time. You know because but and I think sales get stalled because mm. I wouldn't say salespeople are um, are incompetent, but they're actually a bit lazy. Yeah, you know, they're always looking for the easiest rather than really trying to understand the the organization that ultimately yeah. they want to pitch to. I think that's it. You've hit on one of the one of the again, the dysfunctional behaviors in sales again is uh, before but we just don't invest the, uh, the, the amount of time and effort and energy needed to do the research. So you can come up with a starting hypothesis about how you could add value to this customer about the problems they're facing. So when you do meet them, with them it's very clear to them that you know what you're talking about you understand their language their challenges their issues you know you can work backwards effectively so that's an amazon term by the way we work backwards from the customer needs uh, we don't work forwards from our solution right so uh, uh when you do that research you start to build a very different relationship that builds confidence and credibility in the customer but again we just don't do it we know that's what we should do but salespeople, they 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 see something on LinkedIn or they do a, a very elementary research by visiting a company's website, and then they're picking up the phone trying to make a sale uh, or trying to get a meeting, uh, and they've just got no idea because uh, they haven't invested the time, energy, uh, and into uh, time and energy into doing the research. And that, again, there's a good reason why that happens. I think I think a lot of salespeople and I was part of this, right? A lot of salespeople have grown up looking at thinking about a funnel, a sales funnel is sort of, you know, when you think about a funnel, Pete, what do you see in your, in your mind's eye? You think about a funnel, it's wide at the top and narrow at the yeah. bottom, right? You think about a funnel right, like that, the salespeople have grown thinking that's the way it should work. That's your sales pipeline that they've got to put lots of opportunities in the top of the funnel uh, in order to get lots of opportunities or lots of wins coming out of the bottom of the funnel. Uh, but it's just plain wrong, right? It's just, it's one of those things that's sustained over the years, but it's just wrong because when you've got lots of things going in the top of the funnel, uh, you just don't have the time to invest in getting to know any one of them really well, right? So you, you just have a very shallow level of knowledge and you're just picking up the phone, looking for that needle in a haystack, trying to make multiple cold calls so you can find and it's just it's just so outdated. It's just so uh, uh, dysfunctional and so ineffective, but it continues. 
So when you, but when you, if you narrow the funnel, you have a narrower funnel, you have fewer opportunities going in the top, or fewer uh, uh, potential customers going in the top of your funnel because you've done the time to research the customers that you think you can really add value to. You, you've got research from experience from other customers similar to those customers where you've delivered terrific results. So you've got references you can use, right? But you've gone through some sort of prioritization process to help you decide uh, of these hundred companies that we could call, actually, I'm going to focus on these 10 because they are the customers we know we can add terrific value to and you research them. So when you do have a conversation with them, it's very clear to the customer. They're talking with someone who is different to every other salesperson they've ever talked to. And they're like, they want to lean into that conversation because now it feels very different. That's when you get into that sort of trusted advisor status because you've earned the right. So what the challenger sale is all about, isn't it? You know, the challenger sale. Yeah, book yeah, I know that. I, I, yeah, I've read it. I've read it a couple of times. It, it, it's great. And, and it's interesting that you talk about you talk about differentiation. And personally, I think for, for, the, for a salesperson who invests in research, invests in developing themselves, it's actually easy to differentiate themselves from yeah. the vast majority of the, of the competition because actually the <clears throat> I know you dislike the word prospect, but just the first the podcast and the, and the listeners. Actually, if you ring if you ring up a prospect and you're well researched, you will differentiate yourself because yeah. you'll have you'll have done the research on that organisation. You may well know some of the the challenges, and if you're objective by you know reaching out to a you know we, we target CEOs and MDs, and by reaching out to a, a CEO in our target market, you know. In an industry sector, we've already got references and cases and testimonials. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot easier to have that, that that conversation. Now, at that time, they may not be ready to speak to you, but I always That's say a, to, mm-hmm. to my team, look, whenever you make a call to a, um, a potential customer, leave them a really positive experience. I want them, you know, the CEO or the MD, one thing, and my salespeople don't behave like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly uh, right. But, but, but I, I, I think... Like I say, the organization are putting so many leads in at the top of the funnel, and a lot of those leads aren't in the target market, yet they're still being rung. So, yeah. so I think, for me, this is about elevating this, well, particularly the, profession. the UK profession. But actually, this is the interesting thing. I believe salespeople don't behave like professionals. And how would you respond to that? I agree with it. I mean, if you think about how ridiculous it is, I mean, I've been in uh, training and coaching and enablement for quite a while now, right? And one of the things that we see is, uh, and I often ask this question, and we do we do sort of role play activities and stuff like that, and we say, hey, hey, you know, when was the last time you practiced asking questions? Uh, you know, we talk to them, but people have great, great, a great experience in it, and they really learn about, you know. Yeah. Uh, where they haven't got the strengths that they thought they had, and people say, "Oh, yeah, I did it. I did it. I did something like this about two years ago, about five years ago, about you know the last time I did a training." You know, we 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 start in our sales careers, and this was very much my thing, right? As well, I, you might have the same experience, Pete. You know, when I started out in in sales as a young. Uh, um, dude ready to sort of conquer the world and all that sort of stuff i went on a two three day sales training course and they taught us spin selling the classic right and uh and then off off you go off you go out into the world and you think you're the guru right you think you're the yoda of selling (laughs) and uh and you just it's just so stupid can you imagine any uh, and there's no follow-up there's no reinforcement there's no coaching can you imagine any other profession that had such a lackadaisical approach to their art, their craft, their profession? No, no. Imagine, Pete, you were going to a hospital, right? And you were going to have an operation. 
uh, and you were on the gurney. They were going to, they're wheeling you down into the operating theater. And this was a life-saving thing that you needed, right? And the, the, the surgeon leans over to you just before you go under and says, oh, hey, Pete, I'm your surgeon. I've never done this before and I haven't practiced it in five years, but I'll see you at the other side, okay? And then you go under. How would you feel about that? You would not be very happy. And you're not, actually, <laughs> it, it's really interesting you talk about um, uh, you talk you talk you talk you talk about um, uh, role plays, uh, and it's something in in our organisation in in the UK we do we do daily. So and we will take one part of the um, uh, <clears throat> you know the our sales process. It might be the, the what we call the discovery meeting, and we we will practice it religiously. Yes, uh, I know. And you know that I'm sort of heavily into sort of sports science and and sort yeah. of sports mindset. You know, team professional sports teams practice daily. They practice yeah. the moves. They 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 have a they have a game plan. You may not always execute, but I always say to salespeople, listen, if you actually practice, you're increasing your chances of success, and yes. you're increasing your chances of coming across as a professional. Yeah, you know, and it and, happened. And, it, sorry, buddy. Go, sorry, I interrupted you. Carry on. Yeah, it, uh, uh, and it's interesting you talk about three and five years. So, uh, we had a client that we work we worked with for three years, and the, initially the VP of sales actually reached out um, reached out to me. You know, global organisation, and I when we were talking, I said I'm really interested to understand how often your salespeople practice. <laughs> and this lady said to me. What do you mean? Well, you know, how often do you role play? She said, "Oh, we um, every year we have a European conference, and um, <laughs> we do we do a role we do a role play at the conference." I said, "So, <laughs> how, how many of you say, how many of your twenty seven salespeople in the EMEA practices? Well, uh, once a year we select them." He said, "So I said, if I'm really lucky, I might never get to do a role play in your organisation oh, oh, because dear. it could be twenty seven years." No, and and she said to me. You know, nobody's ever said, nobody's ever challenged me. Hmm. She said, nobody's, she says, now, now you come to articulate it like that. We're not doing enough practicing. I said, well, the more, it's really expensive if your salespeople are practicing on your customers. Yeah, totally. Or your potential I, customers. But, yeah. you, you know, like you say, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be impressed if a surgeon rocked up and hadn't. No. Practice the operation. If you think about it, Pete, every other profession, uh, you know, and I, I don't think we actually we, uh, all of us, we can call ourselves a profession with the attitudes we have about our skills and capabilities and strengths. We're we're so lackadaisical about it. Can you? There's no other profession that has the same attitude towards their skills and capabilities uh, as sales as sales does. I mean, there's actually books written on this, right? And I mean, some two of my favorites is uh, uh, is Peak by Anders Ericsson. He's probably the, the godfather of uh, uh, expertise and world-class performance. Uh, Peak by Anders Ericsson is, is fantastic. Um, and there's another book called uh, Talent is Overrated. And the, the author's name has just dropped out of my mind. That happens to me. Now, I'm getting old now, Pete, so I start to forget <laughs> things. But, but Talent is Overrated was the other one. And, uh, 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 you know, the, both of those books uh, define uh, what it takes to be world class at anything, right? There's no such thing as talent, as, as God given talent being the key uh, that's going to make you world class because it's not enough. What they find in those books and all the research across all disciplines, including sales, the one thing that makes the difference is what they define as deliberate practice. 
deliberate practice. It's not, it's not like the normal practice that we have, right? Going down to the golf, I, I've been going down to the golf range for years and smacking golf balls all around the place. I've no idea where they go when I've hit them. Uh, that's not practice, right? Practice, deliberate practice means you're focusing in on specific elements and you're, 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 you're moving from where you are today to where you need to be tomorrow, right? Is that, that this is what professionals do. Athletes, uh, uh, musicians, surgeons, uh, um, teachers, uh, every other profession, they break down what they do and they practice specific things to get better continually. We just don't do that, even though the science is very, very clear. More practice equals better performance. Huge amounts of practice equals world-class performance. Yeah. We ain't doing it. Yeah, and it's really interesting because what I hear from salespeople often when we when we engage with an organization, and we know this is one of the things where we're working with the leadership team on and the, and the sales managers, you know, you've got to get your salespeople practicing and, and the pushback that you get from salespeople is, yeah, but role plays are not like real life. And then you go out and you, and they do the robs. Yeah, but that wouldn't happen in real life. And then you're going to observe them, or, or either we're listening to calls to a, a platform that we uh, that we use a company partner with, or we actually go and do observe field visits. And actually, that is happening in the real world because the salespeople have got sloppy. Yes. And actually, what we do when we do role plays internally, one of the you know one of our team will role play a difficult customer or a difficult prospect mm. and i'll say look it's much better to um fail amongst your peers mm. and, and bank that learning mm. because then when you you're in with a difficult customer mm. you've already banked that learning and you've practiced those really difficult objections yep. and i think it really shows up to your customers if mm. you haven't practiced Totally. Yeah, absolutely. It does. And well, yeah. Like I say, why, yeah. why would you, you know, you, you watch a professional sports team and, and you, you can tell that they've practiced them, that, that those moves don't happen by accident. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, nobody, nobody who is truly world-class at what they do has become there from attending a two day training or a three day training once every two or three years. It just does not happen. It's an illusion. Uh, it, it, you know, we're just kidding ourselves. Can you imagine Jurgen Klopp turning up with 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 the Liverpool squad? So, you know, uh, hey, let's have a practice once a year, uh, you know, or, or once every six months. They're practicing every single day, right? And they're competing against other people who are also practicing every single day, right? And uh, this is the, this is again this, another perspective on it, right? As salespeople, we're in a hyper competitive world, right? Your product or service probably isn't. Uh, that much different to somebody else's product, somebody else's product or service. There may be some, you know, differences here or there, uh, but you've got some uh, world-class competitors out there selling stuff that's just as good as yours. So what's the difference? What's the difference maker? Ultimately, it's the experience you create for your customer. It's how you execute, right? And if you're not executing at a higher level to your competitors, uh, they're going to win. They're going to win that customer. You're not going to win. You're always going to be second or third yeah, well, or fourth, whatever it is. It, I mean, it, you know, it was Stephen Covey who came up with the expression, you know, sharpen the saw. And, totally. and, yeah. and, you, and you mentioned about practice, but here, here's the other interesting thing. I know that you're, um, you know, very passionate about learning and, and, and reading, you know, and developing yourself. But, you know, something that really frustrates me, and I think it frustrates sales leaders, is the inability of salespeople to develop themselves. So not just, not just practice, 
but mm. but actually investing in themselves to listen to you know there's so much resources there's audiobooks there's um there's stuff on youtube you yeah. know reading but I remember um, a client saying to me, Pete, salespeople want to regard as professionals, but they're some of the most illiterate people you'll ever come across. And I said, yeah. could you clarify what you mean? And he yeah. says, I just don't understand. He said, if you're in, you know, if you're a solicitor or an accountant, you have to do so, it's mandatory, yeah. you know, in the UK that you've got to do so many hours of professional development and yeah. read around your topic. He says, yeah. but salespeople, just tell me they've got a winning personality or some magic sauce, <laughs> but they don't, they don't, they, they don't, they don't have to learn, you know, and I also feel it's like arrogance. Well, I can't, you know, it's, um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd attach that term to it, but it's kind of, I think it's kind of a learned behavior, right? Cause, because in so many organizations, they don't prioritize development and coaching and learning as a continual process. Right. When you like, uh, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm putting painting all companies with the same brush. I know yeah. some companies are different. The company I work for now, uh, uh, Amazon, we, we put a lot of time and effort into this. But in general, the vast majority out there are not focusing on continual learning and development and practice to the level it needs to be. And that's reflected in the data. Right. Turnover sky high in sales. Um, engagement globally is really low. People feel that they've got poor well-being. You know, there's heightened levels of stress and uh, anxiety and all the sorts of issues out there, right? There's a lack of purpose. People don't feel they're connected to what it is they do. They don't even know why they do what they do. Uh, and, uh, and then all of this stuff, this, it, it, it culminates into the behaviors that we're seeing. Uh, but it be, I think that really organizations have got to make it so that when people come into their organization, they have no uh, confusion about it, that their development, the skills they have as a sales professional are uh, absolutely key to creating the type of customer experiences that makes them want to work with you, that makes them want to share their issues with you, that makes them want to introduce you to their other colleagues and uh, build solutions and long-term high trust relationships with you. Those skills are essential to doing that, but the organization has to make that part of the culture. You have to have a coaching culture. You have to have a continual learning culture. When that happens, people buy into that, right? And, and the chances are you're going to get people who are much higher performing, who stay longer, who have more fun working with each other. I mean, all of the data that I've read around when organizations get this right, all of the data, uh, says that uh, uh, people perform at a high level, teams perform at a high level, companies perform at a high level, people are happier, people are uh, um, more engaged. All of those measures, everything we look at as a KPI in business is, is better when we get these things right. Uh, so it, it, the mind boggles as to why more organizations are not caught and on to this. Uh, yeah, the, I suppose I suppose the biggest thing is you want to be you want to be confident that your competitors are not co not cottoning onto this either, right? Because if your competitors figure this out and, and they get this right, then you're going to be left way in the background. Yeah, I, I, and I think it come I think it comes back to culture. And I, I, you know, we we go and talk to organisations about you know transforming sales performance, uh, and actually, it's not just in the in the sales function, but but actually this is a cultural thing because yeah. you know I think in the UK. Sale. I think one of the reasons why it's not regarded as a profession is that I mean I don't know about yourself, but but I fell into sales by accident. 
you know, I didn't run around the school playground saying I want to be in sales when I grow up because mm. actually it, it, it's seen as, oh, well, you go into sales if you can't do anything else. <laughs> but actually, if you if you're caught on it, actually you're good at it and you're willing to invest in yourself and, and practice and become a professional, it's an outstanding place to be. Yet you say, like you say, most organizations are not willing to create that that culture where people yeah. are continually developing, continually practicing, continually getting better. And, you know, I, I, I've been in boardrooms where, you know, the board is saying, we don't, we don't want to invest in our sales team. Yeah, I, I want to use the analogy um, <clears throat> to win some work, and you might laugh, and, and I haven't used it since. And I said, so if there was a machine in the, you know, if there was a plant in the corner, and I said to you, you know, you've got to, um, you've got to water it every week, but it's going to cost you ten thousand pounds, but it's going to help you increase, you know, and you've got to nurture that plant, you've got to feed it on a daily basis, but that plant was then going to produce you a million pounds of extra revenue every month. Would you prefer to invest? Yes, we yes we would, but actually th this is the whole mindset thing of the board. They're not mm. willing to invest in their people, and they yeah. like you say, they might send them on a two day training course where mm. it allegedly it's very motivational. But actually, I think to get better, it's discipline, it's hard work. I, I call it yes. grunt work. Yeah, it's not it's not it's not easy. Do I mean it's easy to talk about this stuff, but actually it's actually hard to do. I mean we all we've all done it, right? You know, you go to the gym. You join a gym and uh, you go for the first time and you're thinking you've had this ambition about your sort of future Arnold Schwarzenegger looking self and you, you're motivated and you're pumping the weights and you're, 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 you're cladding your lycra. And then the next day, everything hurts. I mean, you're hurting in places you didn't even know you had places, right? And, you, and yeah. all of a sudden, this big idea you had about how strong and vital and fit you were going to get, that all fades away because of the pain. And you don't want the pain because the pain's uncomfortable. So most people just don't go back, or they yeah. or they or they gradually start not to go back. You've just paid for a year's, you signed up for a year's contract at a gym, and you go once or twice and never go back again, right? This is why this is one of the elements of it because getting good at something that you don't you're not good at today is hard, and people typically don't like to push themselves out of their comfort zone because it's people feel people feel embarrassed people feel like they're going to be judged and this is goes to again the, the sales the culture of sales we have to make it so that people feel they can they can um uh, uh be open with the things they're not good at that they're in a supportive culture that they're going to learn from their peers rather than judged by their peers they're going to learn from their manager rather than be judged by their manager or lose their job you know there's so much about the sales culture that's dysfunctional we need to create these environments where people feel safe. Psychological safety in a in a workplace is such a major, major thing. If people are going to lean in and be open and vulnerable about what they're not good at and then work to get better at it in an environment that's supportive of their growth and development. Yeah, I really love what you're saying. There. So, Ian, you've you've shared some great information for our our listeners, and this has been a um, a fantastic discussion. So, what, what you know, for for somebody, I always ask this question at the end, but for somebody who's say new going into sales management or sales leadership, you know, based on your experience and your area of expertise, what what's the one nugget of advice you'd give a new sales manager or new sales leader? 
Ah, uh, good, good question. Uh, I can't. We, we've come to the end already, buddy. Have we? Jeez, that that went that went by really quick. We have to do it oh, again sometime. We 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 will definitely we'll, we will definitely do it do it again. I mean, it, the 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 debate's fantastic and, and it's great when it's free flowing like this. But yeah, what what is what is your one nugget? Of, I, you know? I I'd say I I'd say uh, I, and I found this the hard way, right? I found this the hard way. The the thing that changed my entire outlook, my my whole mindset and behavior around sales was when I started to question why I was doing it. I really didn't think about it before. And for the longest time, um, I was in sales, making money and being successful. If you, if, you, if you consider financial success to be successful, but something was always missing. There was this hole, there was this lack of fulfillment and meaning that I, that, 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 that I just wasn't getting, even though all the sort of material stuff you'd get from being successful in sales was there. And, and I was actually miserable, even though I was financially doing great. Um, and uh, I found out that the thing that I was lacking was having a purpose. Uh, I didn't have a purpose. I didn't even know what a purpose was because I thought I was the Yoda of selling already. And I wasn't. I was so far away from being the person that I needed to be. And I didn't know. And the missing thing was not having a purpose. So I would say to any salesperson, any sales leader, uh, discover your purpose discover that purpose, embrace it, bring it to work every day. When you find your purpose, you will help other people to find their purpose. You know what it's like when you meet with someone who is driven by a purpose that's bigger than themselves? They're magnetic. You're, you're inspired by just spending time with them. Imagine as a salesperson, if you could create that type of experience in every customer that you met, whether or not they actually choose to buy from you, they could still become an advocate for you, an ambassador for you, because the time they spent with you was so awesome. They tell everybody else, right? That comes from having a purpose. That comes from being able to verbalize your purpose and having an intent that drives everything you do. It's so critical, right? To invest in that, figure it out. Read, uh, start with Why by Simon Sinek. Read, yeah, beautiful. Read The Purpose Economy by Aaron Hurst. I, I, I've got a bit of a man crush on Aaron Hurst. Uh, you know, he's, <laughs> he's, uh, he, he's, he's a person that, uh, he's a sort of probably the, the world's leading thinker on purpose at work. So his, his, yeah. his, his business and his work is fantastic. The book, The Purpose Economy. Read Give and Take by Professor Adam Grant. These are books that will help you find your purpose. And fantastic. when you find your purpose, you'll help other people find their purpose and you will be more successful, be more fulfilled. You'll have a more meaningful and fulfilling life uh, and you'll have more success than you would otherwise have. Well, that's, that's a fantastic way to, to finish and, and thank you. And Ian, if people want to reach out and, uh, and find you, what's the best way to connect with you? Always, always open to connect with folks on, on LinkedIn. You know, I, uh, I post fairly regularly on there. I talk about these subjects uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, enjoy connecting with other people who are similarly interested in these type of subjects. So uh, 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 connect with me, reach out, love to, love to chat and connect. Okay, that's brilliant. Thanks so much, Ian. Thanks for listening. This podcast was brought to you by SalesStar and hosted by Pete Evans. For more information about what we can offer you, head to our website at salesstar.com forward slash UK. You can also find us on all social media platforms just by searching for Salestar UK.